Freethinkers, and welcome back to another episode of the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me today is the Free Thought Project editor in chief, Matt Agarist. Our guest this week is someone very motivated and has not just a fire inside, but a raging inferno. He's been doing great work in his home city of Orlando for the past three years, but particularly stepped up to the plate during the COVID crisis to hold his elected leaders' feet to the fire. He is also someone who has twice been on my annual list of the top 25 people who inspire me that I publish on January 1st of each year. He is well-spoken, courageous, and a very effective leader and organizer. Our guest this week is Justin Harvey from We Are Change Orlando. Welcome to the Free Thought Project podcast, Justin. It's great to have you on. Past two years, you were doing some amazing work in your city of Orlando to stop COVID mandates, to call out local officials who are straight up lying to their community. And I hope to get into that and the global psychological operation known as COVID-1984. But just a little backstory. We first met in 2019 when Derek Bros and myself hosted the very first Alt Media Summit roundtable in Houston, Texas. And since then, we've talked frequently and become allies in this fight. I was really impressed, though, with your efforts, not only to hold public officials accountable, but your organizational skills, uh, your courage, motivation, and passion, which I'm pretty sure landed you on the cover of an Amazon Prime documentary about anti-vaxxers, if I remember correctly. You are also no stranger to censorship like us, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But do you mind introducing yourself to our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with your work? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, first of all, for having me. You know, I really appreciate you all bringing me on. Um, I got my foot sort of into activism about 10 years ago. We're actually on my 10-year anniversary next month. Um, And I had a pretty standard cookie-cutter life before that. And um, I was sort of shaken awake overnight and um, head first into the rabbit hole. And I was inspired by um, you know, people like you guys, honestly, uh, Adam Kokesh, Luke Rudowski, as you see, I've got my We Are Change shirt on today. Nice. Um, you know, these guys like yourselves out here doing real journalism, once I started to, you know, figure out how the world worked, I started finding activists and journalists that were actually doing something about it. And that's what inspired me to sort of seek out groups that had already got the ball rolling. I quickly got involved with March Against Monsanto in Orlando. I took over the We Are Change Orlando chapter and um, ended up hosting the, the march for about six years. And this eventually just stretched into all issues, liberty and environment related. I mean, we were um, doing everything from speaking against fluoride at the city council meetings, um, trying to stop the, you know, the pesticides that were being sprayed on our food and affecting the bees. Um, traveled to Atlanta for Federal Reserve protests, traveled to D.C. for the anonymous Million Mask March. So early on, I was really just getting my 
my feet in everything because it was so many, as we all know, so many issues to take on. Um, I really just was getting involved in all of it. Um, sort of started to get a groove around when I met you, um, started to focus in on more of the, the vaccine and the 5G related stuff. And then out of nowhere, the whole world changed. And we had, you know, our pandemic happen, as I like to call it. Um, everything shifted right then into, you know, mask, vaccine mandates, getting the state open. You know, we could go off on three or four different, you know, roads right there between the mayor and with the firefighters and the school board. Um, so a lot has happened in the last two years with um, trying to preserve our freedom here locally and try to inspire others to do the same. So that's that's a rough draft of sort of where the journey's taken me. Sure, man. And yeah, you've, you've certainly been effective in your city. And you're, you're right, man. There's just so much. It oftentimes feels overwhelming because it just feels like there's so much to not only pay attention to, but it's just so much injustice in the world, so much uh, coercion, so much negativity, so much just things that are you know pulling at us, people who are empaths. And we want to do what we can, but sometimes it's hard just to even pay attention and keep your eye on everything that's going on. There's so many moving pieces. And so what specifically was it that woke you up? You had mentioned you had kind of a cookie cutter life prior to being woken up. Was there one specific incident or one specific event or like a post or a video or what, what was it? it? Was, um, I have to give credit to a, a relative. It was an uncle of mine who sent me some videos about UFOs, believe it or not. And it was uh, Dr. Stephen Greer. And it wasn't so much about UFOs. It was more so about the possibility of them hiding the free energy technology and having more than what they lead on to and um, the ability to eliminate the like, you know, gas powered industry and, and use these other technologies and free us from a lot of these, you know, slave based systems that we're in. That was what piqued my interest. And he was talking about, you know, an elite group that pulled the strings and it was like, OK, the UFO thing was interesting and all. But then I dove back into the other rabbit hole of who was pulling the strings and why. And very, it was like YouTube documentaries central. I mean, I was learning about the Federal Reserve. I found, you know, Freedom to Fascism by Aaron Russo. I found, you know, Loose Change. Um, and it was just a snowball from then. But yeah, I basically have to credit a relative for pointing me to a YouTube documentary with Dr. Stephen Greer. And then Pandora's box was open and it will never be shut, as we all know. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Aaron Russo played a huge part in like my journey to, to understanding what was going on as well. Big time. Yeah. Didn't tell her too, man. They did a, um, they did a, they had a series on Showtime back in the day called Bullshit, and they did one on income tax. And oh, uh, really? I was like, holy fucking shit! I like stopped paying income tax right after I watched that, and yeah. I didn't pay it again until I had a child. You know, <laughs> I was scared that they were gonna come after me. <clears throat> yep, it's a big one. I actually just got to meet um, an old friend who I met in the beginning, uh, Paymon. Maybe you all have heard of him, but he's with the. Um, forget the, the actual name, but some type of Freedom Institute, but they basically educate people on how to, you know, opt out of the, the tax system and, and teach people about it. And his big thing is, you know, that he was friends with Aaron Russo. Um, he does a lot of great work. I met some really incredible people in the Liberty Movement at one of his events in Orlando. Um, Jim Trafficant, you know, rest in peace to him who passed away in like a tragic like tractor accident. But he was very outspoken about, you know, some of the puppeteers as well. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was one of the early rabbit holes too that sent me into the other topics. Sometimes that's all it takes, you know, is just uh, one video to, or just 
one phrase or one saying or one conversation to kind of spark that interest to kind of examine your own beliefs and your own values, your own philosophy. And I think people with integrity, you know, that's all it takes. I mean, obviously other people, they're just kind of keep their head down and go along to get along. But yeah, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that you continued that that intellectual journey, you know, uh, moving past the UFO stuff, which, you know, obviously maybe there is something there. Uh, that's one right. of those contentious topics where it's like, you can't even talk about it. If you do, you know, you could be laughed off the internet or whatever, but nonetheless, I mean, I think what you're basically saying is you're trying to figure out who the, you know, we're pulling the strings, who is behind the money machines, who was coordinating and presenting the, this type of information to you. And that all those things, those are all like important questions to, to evaluate and to look at. And I think, uh, you know, it's obviously crucial that we get inspire more and more people to do that. And I think that's a lot of what our work does. So you've been working with We Are Change Orlando now for a while. Like what, what are you guys currently working on right now? You know, I'll be honest, man. After the whole, the last two years, when we got the mandate stopped here in Orange County, Florida, we really took like a big breather. And I have been really focusing on like work and life stuff. We hosted some meetups. We've done some volunteer action days, but we kind of just have been like, sitting back and being grateful for having, you know, at least a somewhat sane governor um, and are able to kind of take a break. We just went nonstop. We were probably hosting rallies every month, speaking at council meetings twice a month, sometimes more with the school board meetings. It was just very uh, exhausting. Um, I do have some things in the works. I can't really even speak on one of them because it's sort of an undercover um, politician confrontation mission. So um, but sure. I, I do those things. A lot of the stuff I do is very spur of the moment. You know, I, if I find out, you know, Biden's coming to town, like I should have sent you that video, but I actually got the chance to confront Biden before he was president when he was in Orlando about, um, some of his inappropriate acts around children on camera. Um, but it's things like that. I hear someone's coming or let's say we hear of a very large event. We will just spring into action. You know, I have to credit Joshua Coleman out in California, the founder of V is for vaccine. You know, about three years ago, I got on board with that campaign and I was like, wow, now here's a guy doing activism with double the creativity that I could ever dream of. And he had mastered this way of like reaching thousands, hundreds of thousands of people at like the Super Bowl at the Daytona 500 and, you know, using highway banners and, you know, signage that was so professionally done, you couldn't miss it. And they were so fact based, you couldn't argue it. And um, I jumped onto that campaign and just, was like, we're replicating this in Florida. And we've been doing that um, even pre-pandemic. You know, we were hitting up football games. Once they shut the world down, we shifted it to different methods and strategies from airplane flyovers to billboards to billboard trucks. Uh, like I said, the banners. And this was just a way to, to really get out there and reach more people, especially when the censorship cracked down. It was like, well, they took us off the internet. What do we do? You know, Joshua Coleman said, I'm going to go out and take it back to the streets and I'll reach a hundred thousand people in one day. And there's nothing that they can do to censor that. So that was something else that we got, you know, really involved with in the last two or three years. I've been watching it on Facebook, man. It's awesome. And the signage that you guys have is like so professional and everything that black, white, and red format and yep. um, the sayings on them, you know, it's like, it's, it's hard to, cause they're all true, you know, <laughs> and, right. and, and it's hard. It's like, it's a, put it in your face and go out there and maybe shake some other people out of their stupor, you know, and, and show yeah. them that like, dude, challenge me on this. Look it up. You exactly. know, this is and real. When, <laughs> and when it's done that 
strategically, like I've always told Josh, you've done such a good job because when the New York Times shows up, they want a picture of those signs. You know, the photographer is looking for a good shot and they don't want some cardboard scribbled on. They want a nice shot. It doesn't have curse words. It doesn't say anything about autism. Like it's very straight up about mandates. It's about the risks that are documented, that the injury payout dollar amount. These aren't things that you can argue. And then when they write their misinformation article about us in the New York Times, you glance up at the thumbnail and it's a sign that basically that they can't, you know, they can't hide our message because they had to post it there. So it's it just kills a lot of birds with one stone when you do it the right way. That's one thing I will say that it taught me was learning from his campaign is that you can reach more people than ever and you don't even need that many people. We've done it with 20 people before and strategically basically attacked an event with such good signage and information at the entrances that people had nowhere to go. We had thousands of people leave an Oprah speaking event in um, South Florida once. It was all women. We targeted our chanting and our signs to women and they came out and were just like, they had nothing. They, had, they all had to read it. They all had to listen. People were engaging with us. It was a really effective event. And this was, uh, again, pre-pandemic. I love that, man. I feel like, um, and this is this is exactly why I wanted you on, because I, I feel like there's this kind of this stigma against protesting or activism in, in the real world. And, and the kind of the right kind of harbors and embraces that a little bit, uh, especially after the George Floyd protests and stuff. Protesting kind right. of got like a, a bad rap. But I think you are a perfect example of how effective protests can be when they're creative and it doesn't necessarily have to be online, you know, and you could still reach those people because, yeah, you're, you're drawing up that type of media attention. And that's one thing is we'll never get, you know, like my meme could go mega viral on the Internet, on social media, but I'm never going to get a picture of myself, you know, on right. the New York Times next to my meme, you know, pointing at it or something. Yeah. So <laughs> at the same time, like the fact that you're doing real life events and sometimes they're they're very creative, like flash mob type events. And you you mentioned sometimes they're impulsive. And I think that's exactly the way they should be, right? Because mm. sometimes if you plan them too far out in advance, they get a little stale. The agenda changes, the narrative changes. Exactly. Um, so they have to be in that spur of the moment. And that way you really capitalize on that momentum, on that fervor. So um, yeah, I love to hear that, man. And uh, I also really love to hear the fact that you've taken some time after all this activism you've done, you know, burnout is very real in this type of work. And I think it's our duty, our responsibility as activists to always kind of gauge and find that that level of like a happy medium to knowing where you are getting close to being burnt out and trying to take a step back a little bit, giving yourself some space and time to kind of rejuvenate. Uh, because this work is tolling, like we were just talking about, you know, a lot of times it just feels overwhelming because there's so much going on. So um, I, I love the fact that you are being mindful of that. I, I can't stress that enough. And it's something I've been personally trying to work on. Now, you've done all this activism. You speak in front of city councils. I'm sure you've even been arrested before. So is actually not not for not for anything activism related. <laughs> oh, wow. That's surprising, man. Yeah, only just being young and silly. So, yeah. <laughs> So is Florida as free as everybody says? I know it's like number two on the Cato Freedom Index. So, um, yeah, tell me tell me your experience. Not Orange County, right? <laughs> Orange County. Yeah, that's where I'm at. But it's it's different. It's not as free as they say. Yes, we are. We have it better than most. Um, we have a lot to be grateful for. But we also have tyrannical leaders in the large city centers. So Jacksonville, Tampa, Miami, Orlando can still be a complete mess. You know, I didn't wear a mask anywhere I went, but I was still having to deal with 
employees chasing me around with mandates from our local city government. You know, every school board meeting, we were forced to wear one or we couldn't speak. And, you know, some people are very principled. They're like, well, then I'm not speaking. I'm like, well, if we none of us go in there, we lose this battle. So some of us need to suck it up and go in there and wear one for 45 minutes. It was a struggle. But um, you're, we're not as free in Orange County and in Miami-Dade, you know, um, in these areas. But when you get out into the rural places, go into a local diner and not even the staff had them on during the pandemic. So it's just I think in a lot of states it was very similar where the, the further you got away from the, you know, the larger city centers where these policies were really strong, um, you got more free. Uh, but overall, yes, it's it's good. It's great, but not quite as, you know, unicorns and confetti like the news will make it sound sometimes. We still had sure. people arrested on the beach. I mean, say what you want about how free we are. But if I was still getting chased around for masks and there's, you know, tape everywhere and people getting arrested on the beach, how free are we? You know? Yeah, it was. And they set up like these border crossings where if you wanted to get into Florida or leave Florida, you had to go through these checkpoints and shit. That was early on. And DeSantis yeah, was behind I remember that. And uh, I mean, he came out and apologized for it. But uh, yeah, we almost canceled our trip. We go to Florida every year to Pensacola because I'm in Louisiana. It's like right there, oh, okay. you know, and uh, we almost canceled our trip because the the checkpoints that they had set up, you know, and people were backed yep. up for hours and hours trying to get into the state. But I mean, that's that was a good example of a politician getting called out for some bullshit. And then he apologized for it. You know, yeah. Santos isn't perfect. But as far as like governors go during the pandemic, he was by far the best, you know, in my opinion. And I will say just quickly on the DeSantis topic, you know, I personally, my opinion, because I've been able to get a little close to people working with him. We worked with the firefighters really closely to stop the mandates and they, they became like close with him. I truly believe that he has woken up over the course of the last two years to medical tyranny and vaccine risks. Sure. A lot of people will say he's playing the part. A lot of people will say, no, he's only talking about this because it was popular and became a political talking point. I'm still open to that, but I do truly think he has woken up to some of it. Um, our our uh, Florida Surgeon General that was appointed, Dr. Joe Latipo, he talks exactly like us. Like if you were to give one of our medical freedom of advocates the microphone, it's just like us. He's saying all the right things. You can tell he gets it. He's written a book I would encourage people to go check out. Um, I think that, that DeSantis put this guy in place and they're ready to stand against those type of things. And I think this also opens him up to maybe listen to the Florida Freedom Keepers and We Are Change Orlando about genetically modified mosquitoes now. Or maybe listen to us about the Agenda 21 you know, infiltrating of our local governments with this stupid net zero carbon, you know, crap. Um, and that's when we find out if these people were really talking about it just because it was popular or if they really do care about the health and the freedom of the people in the, their state. Um, but yeah, I think he's coming around, but is he going to continue to stand up for us? We'll, we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't see Trump doing any of that. I mean, it actually, Trump did the opposite, right? During the pandemic, exactly. he shut down the economy. He put in mandates. He did all this other shit. And DeSantis went in the opposite direction. But uh, Yeah, and Trump has has continued to champion the vac vaccine manufacturers and the vaccine. You know, for, for someone to be pushing it at this point is almost just unbelievable for me. I mean, it's insane, man. I was watching one of your videos earlier, and you were calling out Mayor Jerry Demings and you, uh, it was like he was going into some meeting or something and you were like 13,000 deaths in the VAERS database, you know? Yeah. So that just shows how long ago that was just last year. But now I just wrote a report last week, you know, we're, we're approaching 30,000 reported deaths. Yep. 
and 180,000 something um, serious adverse events that required hospitalization. Yep. It's uh it's crazy, man. And then the, to mandate that shit. And then, and then now we have this week, the CDC just reversed course on all that and was like, hey, you know what? I know. We'll just not do that anymore. We'll treat the vaccinated the same as the unvaccinated. They like, literally put out a bulletin that said exactly what we all said in April of 2020. We said, treat people the same, maybe isolate the old. Everybody should be free to do what they, you know, unvaccinated. And, and, and it's a We've been saying it the whole time. We had HBO come to a documentary at one of our protests and uh, the documentary never came out. And I know that they got done and they reviewed all that footage and were like, they were right about a lot of this stuff. And it didn't make for a good documentary, I think, the angle that they had planned. Right. So, they wanted to prove you sure. wrong or whatever. <laughs> yep. And it's quickly showing the opposite. You know, they had a study that was published this week that showed that um, that higher vaccination rates led to the, you know, the spread of Omicron. Yep. And that's you could just see it happening, dude. You just watch COVID cases in these different areas where they had heavier vaccination rates and the fucking cases went up. It wasn't like rocket science. It was just observing. It was empirical observations that people paying attention were were making. And it was conspiracy theory. And now that's, you know, that's slowly becoming mainstream media. It's people that lost their entire, you know, like you all know, people lose their entire livelihoods and platforms for something. And for eight months later, it to come true. And it's like, you yeah. know, Del Bigtree's watching this, you know, he's his show, The High Wire is literally now him playing clips from 2020 and then playing like Dr. Burks and Fauci saying what he said two years ago and just yeah. proving him wrong, making them look bad. And I mean, like you said, those not to get too off on the COVID thing, but the the data now is coming in. It's so staggering. It's like dose dependent. So like each dose on the graph gets higher. So the more doses you get, the more problems you have, the more serious hospitalizations. So it's literally like the more shots you got, the, the more you're messed up. And I mean, there's nothing more obvious than like a dose dependent thing. It's not just like we have one correlation. They're literally matching up perfectly and increasing exponentially. So sure. hopefully yeah. people will see that soon. Ask but Australia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They we beat the pandemic, mate, and yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. And now you have the highest cases and hospitalization of the entire, you know, the entire time because all you did right. was just push it out into the future. <clears throat> right. Well, and then now that we see that you know that there's a correlation between vaccination rates and uh, you know and case increases, then that's also a reason, being that their most of their population is double vaxxed and boosted. <clears throat> right. Plus, all of our, our world leaders are, um, you know, got all their shots and they all announce every couple of weeks they got COVID again. So, yeah, <laughs> it would have been way worse had I not been double jabbed and boosted, though. Well, what I don't <laughs> right, get is, right. like, you know, it, why, why did they do that? You know, they could just not tell us that Biden has it. That'd be easy to conceal. They could just make up something, say he's busy, say he's got something else. But they they're like happy to publicly announce that they have it again. I don't know, maybe because they want to be able to push the vaccine again after that sentence. But. It seems silly to just keep admitting you got something after you got a shot to prevent something. But Sure. And, you know, let's not forget uh, Biden, Fauci and CDC director Walensky all said that the vaccine would be 100 percent effective, that once you get the shot, you never have to worry about COVID. And now the CDC is backtracking pretty heavily. And, you know, it's been pretty unceremonious about this whole uh, retraction and, you know, basically saying that these guidelines no longer apply. I mean, we haven't really seen the media take much of a point, um, you know, about it or, or calling out any of the, the past two years of you know all the damage that's been done. You, you did mention that you talked to HBO at one of your protests, but I remember 
screenshotting a, a picture of you at, on the cover of a Amazon Prime documentary. I think that was specifically about anti-vaxxers, right? Yes. Or was it just, it, it was specifically about anti-vaxxers. Yep. Can, can you talk on that at all or how that came about? Yeah. So I was contacted um, by a European film crew and they came over and they wanted to do a documentary on people in the vaccine movement. My name got brought to them. It ended up being a, another hit piece on Dr. Andy Wakefield. Most people know that he's been the guy that's drug through the mud for the last couple of decades as the, you know, the one who raised the alarm about vaccines and autism. Um, they, I, I met with them. They, they wanted to come to my house, which they always want to come to your house, which just feels weird. And I never agree to that. I'm like, why don't we meet at the vac FEMA vaccination, mass vaccination site and do it in the parking lot? And they're like, can we do that? I'm like, I, I got a, I have ways. I was like, we'll just sneak in there and we'll get what we need done. And I guarantee you'll get enough good clips before we get kicked out. So we spent like <laughs> three hours in the parking lot and I'm handing out pamphlets to people and they're getting footage. Spent four hours dropping, you know, nothing but facts. And obviously they used a few clips. Um, I pride myself in making it very difficult for the mainstream media to make our movement look bad. So I will always take the interview, always take the, the documentary and literally just make it very hard for them. You know, they tried to derail me a couple times. I never let it happen. If you get to watch the film, you'll see that they did everything they could to make everybody look really bad. And then there's like my part and it just seems kind of neutral. Well, that's just because I just wouldn't, I wasn't having it. And um, it was a really good experience. And then it, it got shown in Australia and then it got released in Europe and then it went Amazon Prime worldwide. So um, at the end of the day, a lot of the reviews on Twitter from both pro and anti-vax people were, really just another hit piece on Wakefield. Like we've got dozens of these, you know, this didn't even go into the facts. You know, you just basically, a lot of the pro-vax people were upset with it. So it was pretty much a poorly done documentary. I think it, it was good publicity for our cause, honestly. Yeah. It's hard to make facts look bad these days. You know, every time <clears throat> we're, you, especially with the internet, you know, and archiving all this stuff, it's a, uh... right. And we were dealing with that this morning. Like there's this, there's just blatant lies that are being passed off as facts by these fact checkers. And like, there's one with um, the, with sex changes in Boston uh, children's hospital right now, you know, libs of TikTok is getting drugged through the mud because they were, they tweeted a video, which I happened to tweet before they did, you know, I put out the, I linked to the YouTube video on my Twitter and it was a doctor talking about giving children hysterectomies for gender affirming care, you know, which is fucking horrific, dude. You're ripping out healthy organs that like they can use to, that are used in, you know, for, for giving life and giving birth. Yeah. And um, the doctor was smiling and talking about it and everything and talking about it for children. And then here comes PolitiFact saying, no, that's not true. On their website, it says that they did this at 18, you know, or that their, their requirements are that, that the people must be 18. But if you pull an archive of the Boston Children's Hospital requirements three days before the Politico article, it didn't say that. It did not say 18. And they also deleted the video of their doctor saying all that from YouTube. Yep. And it's just blatant I mean, at this point. It really is blatant, dude. It is. It, 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 I don't know how to combat it. Like, because most people aren't paying attention that closely. You know, I know. most I mean, people are saying, like, oh, Libs of TikTok, look, so they put out disinformation. They're getting all these people enraged at the Boston Children's Hospital. And there's no, there's no evidence saying that they did that. But there fucking was entirely a stack of evidence showing that they did that. They admitted it multiple times. I mean, it's, 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 it's insane, dude. It's, it's headline readers, man. They've got everyone, you know, reading headlines, making a decision and there's not much you can do. I mean, they've, 
how many definitions have we had changed? I mean, we've had in the last two years, they've changed the definition of vaccinated, um, herd immunity. Um, anti-vaxxer. I mean, they changed the definition anti-vaxxer. of anti-vaxxer. That means recession. if you were against mandates. I mean, you name it, everything, pandemic, recession, all these different words that have been going around. They just keep moving the goalpost as, as always. I mean, and I, you know, I don't know if many people know listening, but that's the same thing they did with like polio as they did with COVID. They, they changed the criteria, make it look like there's a big spike in something, bring in their solution and then rechange the criteria and make it look like it goes back down. And they say, we saved the day. And it was, it was all fabricated for, you know, a drug or an agenda. So they're doing that same thing now with polio again, and um, yeah. they're blaming anti-vaxxers. I saw, I saw a piece, a hit piece on Vice that blames anti-vaxxers for the spread of polio, when the only traceable case of polio that's coming into the United States was from Africa, and it was vaccine fucking derived. Yeah, it came from the vaccine. <laughs> the person who was vaccinated for polio is the one spreading polio. That was Rolling Stone, wasn't it? Was it Rolling Stone? Okay, I, I think know it was so. One of the, yeah, but yeah, no, no, I get it. I think that's exactly what it is. I think they. We'll shift these and, and move the goalposts, shift the narratives, because there is a large segment of the population who aren't paying that close of attention, you know, and they think they are. They, they think yep. that they have their finger on the, the pulse, but they don't. And so I think that was probably the goal uh, and the intention of this Amazon film crew. And I don't know that the specific uh, company that was behind it. I'm sure Amazon just bought it from them, but I'm sure that was exactly what it was. They were trying to find somebody who wasn't quite informed, could maybe say something silly. And yep. it sounds like you just, uh, you played it perfectly, man. You know, you walk that line where you're also um, being mindful of what you're saying, but you're still dropping facts. You know, you're not giving them anything that's too sensationalistic or uh, too over the top for them to to use. So that's probably your, why yours sounded uh, so yeah. much more neutral. Yeah, I did. The, I actually, it's funny you say that about the sensational thing, because there is a time and a place for a bit of sensationalism. And I, I'm not saying to go Alex Jones on them, but one time I got interviewed about genetically modified mosquitoes. And I knew that if I said, if I called it the Frankenbug with like the, the E. coli and the herpes and all these different things that are in it, Though just those words are like, whoa, it's like, you know, kind of like shock. I was like, I'm going to use that description when I describe the mosquitoes. And I'll be damned if when they ran the interview, one of the one sentence they used was me describing the Frankenbug with all this stuff. But it was perfect because I needed people to understand that they literally are concocting a bug with like six different things in a lab and just releasing it into the wild. And we hope that this Bill Gates funded project just goes well, you know. But there is there is a strategy with them, you know, staying very fact based, but, you know, just just knowing how to work. I mean, it's just come with experience and practice. I didn't know how to do this. The first time I did a media interview, I was shaken, nervous, probably said the wrong things and was then really upset why the whole interview didn't get played because you just don't understand how the system works yet. Um, Also used to be very anti media and anti media free thought project. (laughs) I just listen to you guys all. I used to be very anti like reporter. And would be really upset and just not, you know, combative towards them and maybe not physically, you know, in person, but I would have that mentality. But then I learned that if I don't befriend these people, they're never going to run our stories. So I would start being very friendly with them and then come to find out. I'm like, why don't after the protests, I send them really good, two good thumbnails, send them exactly how many people showed up, send them a nice press release before the protest, call them like if I do all these things and make their job really easy much, much more chance of them running it than them just showing up and screaming fake news at them the whole time. Because I've had that happen and I've had people leave and I've gone over and been like, dude, you can't, 
you can't do that. We just, that was our only story for the day. Sure. You, know, you ran her off. Yeah. And that's exactly it. I think it's that fine line because yes, these topics are important and you know, sometimes there is a sensational element to it, but it's almost like it's our job to kind of dumb it down. So the media can't take that out of context and, and right. spin it and, and run with it. And you mentioned Alex Jones. I think he's um, an example where yes, like obviously he's a shock jock. He said a lot of crazy stuff over the years, but he's also like, I would say a large bulk of his material and the fact that he was the first person really sounding the alarm as far as our country being hijacked by bankers and stuff. Like, I feel like he gets a bad rap because of the Sandy Hook stuff specifically, whereas there's still a lot of truth to the things he said over the years. In fact, yesterday I had a tweet that did pretty well. And I was, I was listing off everybody who's been right, you know, cause it's kind of a meme right now. Like Ron Paul was right. Or Alex yeah, Jones yeah. was right. And I was like, well, okay, let's expand on that. Well, Alex Jones was right. Ron Paul was right. Bill Hicks was right. George Carlin was right. George Orwell was right. And of course, the only thing that people took an issue with was the fact that I use Alex Jones in that equation. And look, like I am not a huge Alex Jones fan. There was a time in my life where when I was first waking up, I was like, okay, like he seems like he's, he's talking about all these important things. I might as well listen. But it didn't take very long to realize like, yeah, he is a shock jock. He's using his platform to sell, you know, his products. And uh, there, there is some overlap with, you know, some disingenuous information there. And, and of course, like there is a lot of it that is accurate and true as well. So to me, I don't know. I, I think it, it's important to, to be very mindful of that anytime we talk to the press, because the media, the mainstream media, they're looking to demonize us to, to, to you know, point the fingers at us for anything that they can. And uh, the more integrity we have when we speak, the more accurate we can be with the numbers, with the statistics, uh, with the information, the more credibility we're going to have. And that's just, again, that's one thing that I've really uh, appreciated about you. Every time I've seen you, you look professional, you show up to these city council meetings in a suit and tie. And sometimes you have to do that, right? You have to play the part just to get respect, like you were saying earlier, you know, and if you show up in just a t-shirt and flip-flops, like they're going to be, who is this clown, you know? And so exactly. in a way, like that's part of our job is to play the part and to uh, be professional and to pre present this information in a way that captures people's attention and it just doesn't get it instantly dismissed. Yeah, that's yeah. such a good point, man. And I, I didn't even mention that earlier, but dressing the part is so important with doing these things. You know, I have become a stickler about, looking the part to get into events because I can sneak into things. You know, I can I've snuck into Republican conventions and, you know, gotten in front of people all because I, you know, I do use other things to my advantage. I don't have tattoos and piercings and crazy hairdo. Like I look like I probably was in the military. People ask me that all the time. I wasn't. But if I dress nice, I look like I work at a hotel. It's very easy. And I've gone to events before and just stood against the wall. And people ask me where the restroom is. They think I work there. And I just wait for, you know, <laughs> Biden to walk through and then bam, I make my move, which also shows that all security is theater. If anyone's wondering out there, it's complete theater. Anyone can do anything they wanted in the world. So be grateful. There isn't that many crazy people. Um, but yeah, it's all about dressing that part because if you'll notice, it's funny, my city council meetings with Demings, I started off, you know, a little dressed down and I was, I kept dressing nicer for each one. And by the last one, I'm in a complete full suit with a jacket and everything. But it does. It, it it adds a lot to that element. Jason shared a video of you earlier with me, and um, I, I had some other ones queued up to play. But uh, the one that he shared with me was you using that tactic of blending in with the gay pride um, parade oh, yeah. that was in Orange County, and dude, you like it was epic because you you were like 
uh, there's a public sidewalk right here and the mayor is in a float yeah. and he's going to be going down the public down this road uh so i i, I got it queued up i really want to play that right now and yeah, uh, to, to let everybody see it it's it was so awesome dude you narrate it you just walk right out in the street <laughs> i was like damn this is badass speaking of sensational not sensationalistic but it was just it was fucking sensational man the way you did it but uh so here's that video real quick so guess who's walking in the pride festival today sherry demi if everyone remembers the elevator encounter with mayor jerry demi do you feel it is moral to mandate this for all the employees like this absolutely yeah. Thirteen thousand deaths in the bear that's on the low Sir, it's not moral. Do the right thing, please. He is doing the right thing. Just, no, he's not. He had nowhere to really go. He was trapped in that place for a brief moment in time. But what do you think about a parade float right here next to that <laughs> Yes. How about being stuck on a parade float for an hour where there's a public sidewalk right next to it? The ironic thing about saying I was a liar was I was only quoting you, sir. I only quoted you. Where is the lie? Is the only question that the people have of Orange County. Where is the lie? Anybody is lying. You are lying, sir. Respect Where is the, the lie, position. sir? Hmm. Uh, we'll watch the video and I'll be back next time. Uh, when I first arrived, he saw me and I walked over to the truck. He went like this. Like you wanted to swat me away, <laughs> and I'm sure that that is the case. Forced medical procedures still do not belong in a free society, Mayor Demi. Please end the mandate. For those who don't know, Mayor Demi was mandating the vaccine on firefighters and Orange County employees, taking away their right to bodily autonomy. The mayor does not care about freedom of choice. The irony that Mayor Demings is riding in a float right behind the firefighters. So we have a fire truck full of firefighters forced to get the vaccine due to the mandate, and Mayor Demings is riding right behind here. It's time to recall Jerry Demings from his position as he forces vaccines on the firefighters of Orange County. Mayor Demings and Commissioner Wilson are on a parade float, and it's very hard to escape a parade flow, just like an elevator. <laughs> All right, yeah, they, they basically tried to drown you out right there and uh, with the music, and but not before you totally trolled the shit out of them and owned them, man. It was amazing. And, you know, the, the important thing about that, I try to remind people, is that it's like I believe in hitting people from all angles, like, I don't want to just be at the council meeting. I don't want to just have a protest. If we can do all of the things, they're going to feel so much pressure from all sides. Like I sent you another video where I'm outside of his house in the morning at like six o'clock in the morning. No idea what time he's leaving, but I got out there super early so he could see me on the way to work. And then when he gets to work, I'm going to speak in front of him. So he's just like, I literally can't get rid of this guy. I actually, at one point I had the firefighters call me and say that the, the mayor's office is calling the firefighter union saying, you need to get that, that blonde guy under control. And the <laughs> firefighters were like, he doesn't work for us. He's not a firefighter. We don't, he's just helping. And they were like, I love it. They, they were upset. And she called me and was like, yeah, you, um, you really pissed them off with this whole mayor thing. And I was like, well, good. This is mission accomplished. I want him to feel it. Cause then after that, the governor stepped in and just laid the hammer down on him. So we really got like a, 
I've never felt so much validation in like a, a, a topic or a single issue matter than I did when the governor sort of came in and like finished the job on him. Cause we really did like finally stop something, you know, we didn't get to stop sure. the GMOs or the fluoride, but that vaccine mandate for those County and city employees, all those people, we got to, you know, sort of, you know, set the stage for the rest of the country to sort of do the same thing. That's awesome. I was going to ask you about that, like how that ended up. Like, I know that there's a, there's still the lawsuit going on, right? That's the most recent information that I found on there that the firefighters are suing. Well, the fire chief, one of the, the one guy who was actually fired is suing. Okay. Um, and I believe, yeah, they are as a whole still suing him as well. So all of that's still in the works. Right. Yeah. Is that that firefighter named Barry? Is that who that is? Is it? No, it's um, named- Stephen Davis was the one who was fired. Okay. There's a lot of lawsuits against Demings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we had a really, um, a really great lawyer out of Gainesville, Florida, who was taking on like most of this stuff, most of the mask and vaccine stuff. And once him and the firefighters and the governor and all of us sort of came together, it was just like, we, we finally had all the pieces and, you know, it was easy for the governor to get behind the firefighters because they're the heroes and, that's like an easy target for them to pick up and build up his image. Yes. Which that sucks to say, but we use it to our advantage. I told those firefighters, I said, we would have never done this if it wasn't 500 of you willing to not submit your vaccination status. If I was like, if it was 30 public workers or 25 this or 50 that, 500 first responders, the local yeah. heroes, they could not ignore. And I was like, that's when we dropped everything and we just worked together and started you know, rallying for the next three or four months until it was over. That was actually one thing I was going to say is it's absolutely brilliant to use that fervor of like state worship against them. You know, like they have the, the firemen, obviously, like they're much more supported than the police, although the police, you know, still have quite a, a support system as well. But nobody's ever wrote the a song, you know, fuck the fire department. Like Obviously, <laughs> like there's uh, so true. right, right. And, you know, they're not out here shooting people in their homes either. And most right. of the time they're actually courageous enough to run into people's homes while they're on fire. So like, there's a lot of love for the fire department. And at the same time, they're, they're individuals, they're humans, you know, they're just experiencing this life through the profession of firefighting. So like, we still have interest in them, you know, not having to take these experimental substances. Watching that video, it, it definitely brought back some nostalgia from um, like the 2011, 2012, 2013 era, where you said yourself you were inspired by Luke Radowski kind of doing this almost this type of like guerrilla journalism. Man, I can't tell you how inspiring that really was for me as well um, back in those days, you know. And unfortunately, Luke has kind of taken a turn with some of his content creation. He does kind of more in front of the camera type of stuff now. Right. But I really think there's a huge market right now waiting to be exploited uh, for that type of guerrilla journalism. And it's not for everybody, of course. And again, that's why I preface this whole conversation by saying, you know, you're one of the most courageous activists out there because not everybody's looking for that type of confrontation and not everybody has the, you know, mental bandwidth to be able to articulate themselves in the moment when there's a bunch of people looking at you with a a megaphone and whatnot. So I really think that that type of video gets views though. And I really think I would love to see somebody kind of take up that mantle, man. I, w- I really wish that Luke would kind of get back into that realm. I miss but... it too, man. I'll never forget seeing him confront people like Jacob Rothschild, yeah. Henry Kissinger, sure. you know, Clinton. Those are literally the things that lit a fire under me. Me too. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, Derek bros watching the things he was doing, even Alex, you know, like you, you said, I have to give Alex for, um, for waking up a lot of people, you know, he did, a, he did a lot of work. So it was, 
seeing him stand up and question uh, Reno about Waco or Ruby Ridge, the old school stuff. I mean, yeah. even the the Bart Sebrel guy confronting astronauts about going to the moon, just watching that stuff, people have the courage to go ask these people to their face, like, hey, there's a real discrepancy here. People's lives are affected. You could be deceiving millions of people. You know, did you pull building seven, you know, like Luke did? And I just, yeah. I, I, if I could get to Luke, I'd be like, man, I wish you could do all that and just keep at it because that is some of the, the most inspiring stuff to see. And the the reactions that you get and the responses are so much more genuine than if you did like a press conference or something because they're caught off guard. They're not expecting it. They don't know yes. what to say in that moment. And oftentimes you could just tell they're lying by the look on their face. You could tell yeah. that they're caught they're caught guilty just by the way their their face looks, you know. So there is so much value and utility to the activist world, to the truth liberty movement uh, by doing these. And man, like. I know it's not for everybody again, you know, you have to put it's yourself not. in some pretty precarious positions and situations where, yeah, you could easily get tackled and arrested by the Secret Service or something like that in some of these circumstances. But at the same time, if anybody's listening and you want to make a name for yourself, like that is the avenue. That's the door to open. Much kind of like Alex Stein, who, believe yes. it or not, I'm sure you're familiar with, like, he reached out to us for like two months before he started to blow up, like begging for an interview. And we're like, who is this guy? And then all of a sudden, you know, he started getting some momentum and he wouldn't even respond to our emails, which is fine. But I think he's another perfect example of like, put yourself out there, question these people, and you're going to be social media superstar in no time. You know, like it doesn't take yeah. a whole lot. Of course, you know, you have to know your facts. You have to have, you know, the, the knowledge to kind of get people's attention. But yes, man, have at yeah. it, guys. I, I totally second that whole thing, man. Alex Stein is a big inspiration. Believe it or not, I actually knew Alex before he blew up. And we were kind of uh, acquaintances through another friend. And it, it still amazes me how overnight his success went with those city council yeah. meetings. And honestly, I would have, if you would have came to me with that approach and said, this is what I'm going to try, I would have been like, no, that's too much. I think I would take it a totally different way, but it has worked. And it's been so effective. You know, yeah. and if there's any message I can give people out there, you know, like you said, it's not for everyone. But for those who think they want to try it, just start practicing, showing up to these events. And you've got to go solo, too. That's what I tell people. You know, people ask me after the, the Demings parade float or certain things. How come you didn't? I would have came with you. We would have could have all done it. And I'm like, some of these things only work if you're solo and sort of undercover. You just kind of no one suspects you. You, you know, you're just off to the side and then, you, you know, you break out your camera with your question that you've got a well-prepared question. You know, you've got to map out the area. You've got to have strategize the entire thing. But if you do it, you can you can accomplish things if you dress nice. You know, I've you can get into almost any event if you dress nice. And as soon as you get in there, just start asking where the bathroom is. You can map the rest out once you do that. <laughs> yeah. Dude, speaking of it. that, you got we got another video of you getting in Deming's face, like literally getting oh, in his face, where you where you wanted to take a selfie with him. Oh, that's and, right. Um, I have it queued up, and dude, the look on his face when he sees that it's you, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> this is more recent though, right? This is yeah, uh, this is very recent. Right, right. This is uh like um like in June, I believe, right? Yep. The look on his face right there, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna play this video. <laughs> He's like, oh shit. <laughs> it's Justin. <laughs> All right. You mind if we get a picture together? If you want. All right. Let me just take a quick photo. Now, one question though. Is there any reason you keep ignoring the lawsuits uh, against lawsuit? you from uh, fire chief? Stephen Davis, one of his fire. <laughs> ignoring the lawsuit. That, have you been have that, you tried to serve you? That that lawsuit. Yeah, moving forward. 
Is we'll just have to see. We'll okay. leave it in the group. You haven't ignored any acknowledgement of it when they no. tried to serve you? Why would right? I do yeah. that? Okay. I just want to get just ask it. Yeah. Yeah. Why would I do that? I don't know. Maybe just <laughs> to avoid the attention on it. No. Okay. And then for the listeners, he goes in and actually shows proof that he's denying the lawsuit and, and refusing to accept it. Uh, yeah, man, that's awesome, dude. That's like that. That's that guerrilla journalism like Luke used to do back in the day, you know, and which I'll admittedly that, uh, you know, I don't know that I have the balls to do that, dude. I, if you know, if, if someone paid me a lot of money to be able to go do that, I'm, I'm not sure that. I would be able to go and do that, man. And it's, you know, it it's my time. hope that when people see these, like with me, that other people start doing it. And then I, I envision a world where these people either have to stop lying or they literally can't go out in public. So yeah. if every time they get out, they've got to deal with people berating them with that same question, that same controversy or whatever, then, then the mission will be accomplished. And it was beautiful with that one because, again, spur of the moment, I think I found out where he was two hours before that happened. And I totally had to change my plans. And I was like, this is actually on the way to where I'm going. So the next thing I know, I'm going to work. And now I'm at an assisted living grand opening ribbon cutting, like <laughs> hanging out in the lobby, trying to act not inconspicuous. And, you know, and it's um, and then, you know, you just you get the job done and get out and then, you know, they can feel some more heat. That's the whole whole. And like you said, at the end of that video, it's like they're the that venue for confronting him was the perfect one because you're in an assisted living grand opening. He can't be an asshole. He's got cameras all around him. You know, he's got old people, their families exactly. and shit like there. He has to be nice. And yeah, that was the perfect place to do that. at. I love how he kept his hand on your back too. like, yeah, we're friends. Like we're just being friendly, right? Like <laughs> he was you totally know, giving just... that image to everyone else that we were having yeah. a cordial conversation because he would right. have never shook my hand or touched me if it was at the at his office. Sure. He would have I'm kept sure, yeah. walking. I don't like he had that elevator confrontation when he runs away from me. It would have been more like that. <laughs> Did right. you film that elevator confrontation with your glasses? Oh, so that's another thing I wanted to mention. Yeah. So funny enough, you see me in the parade. I have on those glasses. I don't do glasses mm -hmm. much. Those have a camera right in the center. So <laughs> I wasn't even planning to run into Demings that day in the elevator. I was just snooping around the building, trying to get some information about the next meeting. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll see him. So I ride up to the top floor. His little assistant security guy spots me. He's like, what are you doing up here? And I was like, where's the, you know, play dumb. He's like, no, nope, you need to get out of here. Get back on the elevator. So he puts me on the elevator and Demings gets on right behind me. He was sort of clear in the area because Demings was coming. So now we're all in the elevator together. And I just went. Doot, doot. <laughs> so it's filming the, the mirror in the ceiling. I have no idea the ceiling is a mirror. I'm like, well, at least I'm capturing audio. I go home, take it out, and I actually have video. You can see a little bit of what's going on in the ceiling, um, and it worked out great. Then I just drop him back down when I come out, and that's when you see me sort of, you know, antagonize him on the way in the room. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Yeah, little tools like that are great, too. You know, if you end up with a pen in your shirt or, like, um, you can get some more genuine responses, especially with dealing with police. You know, you guys probably be interested in this, but you'd be amazed, you know, how much different the Cops Act when you're instead of, being like this, you just your glasses are just running. I've only had one officer actually notice it. He was like, is that a camera? He thought it was really cool. We had a good conversation about it, but um, no one has noticed it other than him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right, man. And it's it's true uh, for not only police, you know, people just act different when they're not on camera. We were just talking about that the other day, me and Matt. 
But uh, yeah, those those glasses are great. And I, I'm going to have to find myself a pair of those. Not that I do cop watching too often, but if I did, <laughs> that, that would be brilliant. Dude, so what's next? What's after the uh, the hiatus that you are so well-deservingly taking right now? <clears throat> Honestly, you know, there's spur of the moment, you know, politician meetups I've got coming up. But other than that, I don't know. I feel like we're going to get probably get settled in and probably have to take on the next um, the next card that they have for us, which, in my opinion, is probably going to be the climate uh, move. I think they're going to do something with this sustainability climate stuff. It's going to be probably the next COVID, maybe. I don't know. I don't yeah. envision them being able to pull off like a monkeypox or a COVID too, because even regular people um, are fed up with it. And the, the entire Republican side of the country is fed up with it because they politicize it so much, which is something I kind of wish we got to talk about more today was because I've been started my activism protesting with more libertarians and people on the left. It was like, and end the Fed crowd and like, a, you know, March against Monsanto crowd come to find out those are mostly people on the left. And then I'm protesting during the pandemic and mandates with nothing but people on the right. Um, and that this event has in turn woken up that entire sector of the country to medical tyranny and a bunch of other things. And now they're falling in all those other rabbit holes. So a lot of times when I'm making posts these days, I'm posting, talking to those conservatives that just woke up. I don't want them to find QAnon and Trump. I want them to find us. You know what I mean? Because we this is like a ripe group of people for us to pull down the right road. And I think it's happening whether I even want it to happen or not, fortunately, because I see it every day. I've seen some of these local one second, these, um, you know, Republican candidates that are running and low for local office. And a girl sends me a videos and she gave a whole speech on Agenda 21 and sustainable development at her city council meeting. None of those council members had ever heard of that before. She would have never been here without the pandemic. So I have, there's so much silver lining to this. I think yes. um, we completed the marketing campaign for Monsanto and GMOs. Everything got labeled. People know to buy organic. It was like, next, they're paying billion dollar lawsuits. They had to change their name. Now the vaccine marketing campaign is over. We were raising the alarm and the pandemic was like, here, we'll do that for you. Now everybody knows. And you're right, what is next? I think we're gonna sit back take this breather and we're just going to sort of move on whatever their next card is. And that doesn't mean people shouldn't be taking, you know, their own matters into their own hands, whether that's moving off grid or opting out of the system in other ways. But when it comes to like your question and activism, I think we kind of need to see their next move. Cause like you said, we can't just have protests because they have to be strategic and they have to, you know, sort of fit the current narrative. And, um, I had people doing that with the pandemic. We protested for two years and people thought it was like, oh, you just protest. So when it was over, we had our last one and I knew it was the last one. I could see the crowds dwindling. I saw the mandates dwindling. I said, there's no there's no demand for this. And people afterwards said, let's keep having, let's have a freedom rally next month. I'm like, nobody's coming. Everyone's burnt out. The governor ended it. Don't do it. They had them anyway. No one showed up and they fizzled out. So we just have to be very strategic about um about putting our energy towards something if it's going to be, you know, a waste of time. Yeah, for sure. I think their next big move is figuring out how to stop all that protesting, <laughs> you well, know, that's a good I, point. and, and like by like we saw the beta test of that in Canada where they defunded the truckers and took their, froze their bank accounts and such like that. And now right. they're pushing those central bank digital currencies. They're going to be all tied to the state and tied to your, you know, your, your real ID and everything. And they can just shut you off. You're, yeah. you know, you're subversive 
no, no longer, you know, now you, now you can't make your electricity payment, your house note, right. you can't buy groceries. Uh, that's what you get for protesting. So hopefully it doesn't get to that, you know, that's, <clears throat> but that's a big deal right now. And, and every, that's not a conspiracy theory, you know, like the, the federal reserve is actually, you know, they have think tanks involved in creating these central bank digital currencies right now. Canada is actually implementing it with the, uh, I forgot what it's called, but it's basically like the, it's a, what their vax pass is right now it's just it's a continuation okay. of that and it's happening all over the world there's countries that that have the cbdc's right now china has the cbdc it's tied to their social credit scores if you buy too much unhealthy food you know they kind of lower your social credit score and you can't travel from the different districts it's it's crazy man <laughs> i mean yeah. and, and that <clears throat> that's what we got to work towards here to, to try to raise awareness and because they're going to sell it to people like it's the it's the next best thing. Your life's going to be so convenient. You know, you, it's your face yep. is your ID and you don't have to do anything. You, need, you can get into all these events and yeah, yep. you can, as long as you kowtow that, uh, you know, that status line and, and obey your masters. But if you step out of line, they're going to fucking turn you off. And yeah, I just cool. actually mentioned that I shared a video of some crazy new futuristic society they want to create. It's called the line. Have you all heard of it? Yeah. Saudi Arabia put that video oh, out, yeah. dude. Yeah. It's that, fucking yeah. creepy. And I had to share that. And I showed people, I said, here it is. I mean, they are going to sell you your final stage of enslavement with futuristic conveniences. I mean, yeah. that is it. And they're going to say, oh, but I can scan my this and I can do this. And my groceries show up on this electric thing. And it, that's what that's what it's going to do. So I, we just have to hope that enough people see that that's what the, the game plan is and they won't fall for it. You know, just because you're you can start your toaster before you get home. Like, come on. We don't need to be that lazy, <laughs> do we? <laughs> now that's that's where our work is so important that's where we come into the equation you know and um just like i, I think that's exactly what's going to happen either they're going to overstep their, their boundaries and just it's so insane it, it's so over the top that people are going to kind of realize and i think that's kind of what happened uh with covid you know and, and some of the greatest players on our team were the the experts and the authorities you know people like fauci because they turned so many people off they they've really uh discredited themselves and their reputation, you know, so it's, uh, it's bound to happen again, if they do push too hard. And, um, you know, the medical freedom community has blown up. And I love that you just mentioned that, you know, you were working with the left with the March against Monsanto stuff, which to be fair, it's a little confusing that a lot of those people kind of shifted towards big pharma and like really being a, little, a lot of confusing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. And being on, you know, the team vaccine or whatever, that, that was really strange. But um, I think, again, like there is a middle ground for people like us. We don't always have to be, you know, siding with the left and the right. We could kind of be interchangeable with those depending on the topics and the subject. And the whole climate change thing, man, like I really foresee that being the next uh, new big thing. And they're just going to use the same COVID template, you know, and I feel like we've talked about that before on this podcast. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, and this is actually something I wanted to bring up a few minutes ago when we were talking about Florida, but it'll be interesting to see if Florida plays ball with that as well, because it is one of those topics that are so uh, contentious that it seems like if you don't, if you're not on board, if you're not, you know, somehow fighting against climate change that you will be, um, you know, pointed at and you will be the, the pariah in a sense. So 
hopefully, um, you know, Florida stays strong on that one as well. But I think it feels like they're hitting us from these different angles. You know, it's going to be like the environmental next before it was like our health. And they're topics that people don't really have a lot, a big grasp on. And it feels like there's a high level of danger involved, you know? Yeah. So uh, when they could capitalize on that, they're, they're much more um, in tune with knowing how to manipulate people and, and, you know, manipulate their emotions. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I see with Florida, I really see if it gets popular and politicized, which it will, it sort of already is. We kind of already see the, you know, if you're against it, you're sort of on the right or you're, you know, not political. Right. And if you're for it, you're on the left. So if that happens again, we know where DeSantis will land if DeSantis is in Florida. That's another thing. You know, we end up with a different governor. We end up in a completely different situation. Um, you know, I don't know if anyone remembers, but we almost had a governor that's like been found in hotel rooms with prostitutes and meth and like cheating on his wife. And like, that was almost our governor, Andrew Gillum. Um, and we got DeSantis, which, again, I didn't vote for or against any of these people, but I will hold their feet to the fire. Um, sure. You know, and I give credit where it's due. So I hope that, that we will take the stance of we're not going for your your agenda to take away our freedoms in Florida. Uh, I really hope that that's the case. But time will tell, you know, and I like to tell people that I've been going to the beach for 30 plus years now and the sea level is the exact same. <laughs> <laughs> right on brother. Well, we're uh, getting close to the end here. Um, before we wrap things up though, do you want to share with people how they could follow you, how they could find you and plug anything? Yeah, absolutely. You can follow We Are Change Orlando on um, Facebook, YouTube. I'm not doing a whole lot on YouTube these days, of course. I'm on Instagram, uh, Justin underscore We Are Change. And I don't really, you know, take donations or anything. But if anybody does want to support my activism, I do do residential real estate. So if you know someone looking to buy or sell in Florida, please point them my way. Your support, that direction, will get more billboards up and more mayor confrontations. I can guarantee that. So I appreciate any help from anyone. Hell yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, man. We'll put all those links in the uh, description. And honestly, big shout out to everybody in the community who has supported me for those reasons. Because you're literally, you know, putting food on the table and, and giving me the opportunity to do interviews like this and travel to cover the truckers in D.C. and things like that. So big thanks to everyone, especially those who donated to our banners and all of our campaigns. I've um, said it a few times on this podcast, and I actually say it quite a quite a bit on different interviews. But I strongly believe that we're moving from the age of information into the age of accountability, and I I, I believe it's people like you who are facilitating that process. Thank you very much for your work, brother. Uh, very much appreciate everything you're doing. Your inspiration, uh, you're a motivation as well. You know, you definitely motivate me to get out there and, and do more and try to be active out on the streets. You know, sometimes I get caught behind this keyboard staring at screens and uh, I know this, this type of work is multifaceted. So very much appreciate everything that you do, man. Well, man, I thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. And hey, just know everybody's got a role to play. While you guys are doing the thing online, I was out with a sign that says follow real media. And I always had the Free Thought Project as one of my five websites. And I, it's like, the role that you all have played has just been super critical and it has just been a ripple effect. Even if they censor you, I still see your work floating across. I'm still pushing it and sharing your articles and we're still getting the word out there. And I think we laid the groundwork for whatever the next phase is. So thank you for everything you all have done throughout this last decade and more. Right on, man. Thank you for that. Yeah, I appreciate Absolutely. you saying that, brother. <clears throat> all right, my friend. We'll have to have you on again. Until next time. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Y'all have a good one.